0: This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas. They're here to help. He has time. Launches it to the end zone. Touchdown! Terrence Williams! Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He Uh plays the water. Red Raider! Puts him up the right sideline! He's got to go. He's tackled Sam Houston. it. The Bearcats capture their first championship hello and welcome to the only podcast for every non-fbs team in texas in this episode uiw hosts nichols to decide superiority in the southland conference west texas a&m tries to reclaim the wagon wheel in portales against eastern new mexico east texas baptist travels to mary hard and baylor with the tigers needing a win to remain in the asc title race And we're picking more than nine games this week. We've got a lot of games. Big week on tap in week 10 of the non-FBS season. And we're going to get right into it. I am Corey Hogue, the non-FBS insider for Dave Campbell's Texas football. Find me on your favorite social media channels, at Corey Hogue Sports. All one word, at Corey, H-O-G-U-E, and it's no E, by the way. C-O-R-Y, H-O-G-U-E, sports. Let me just say it that way. All one word. Find my work at texasfootball.com. Joining me, as always, is Riley Zayas, who is one of the foremost ex- experts in Division Three athletics. I am not having a good talking afternoon. You can find Riley on social media at Zayas Riley. That's all one word: at C-A-Y-S-R-I-L-E-Y. In addition, find Riley's work at TrueToTheCrew.com and follow True To The Crew on all of the social media channels that you visit. And you will find out everything happening with Mary Harden-Baylor, which, oddly, is going to be something we're going to talk about a little bit here uh, to get started today. You Again, find his work. True to the crew, you know who it is. You know where to find it. You know how to spell the crew. Riley, we've entered week 10, and it is a very strange, strange situation around Texas. For the first time since 2003, Mary Harden-Baylor does not have a chance to make the playoffs unless just pure havoc happens. (laughs) And, like, Harden-Simmons has to lose to Austin College and then ETBU, and Mary Harden-Baylor has to beat ETBU and, and win out. And, man, that's a whole lot. It Really, at this point. It's not going to happen, right? Like the chances are, are below 1%. What is the feeling around Belton and the university right now? Cause this is an area they haven't been in in a while.
1: Yeah, it really isn't. I mean, this is the first time since, since 1999 that they've lost, you know, four or more games in a season. Um, there's there, it's an uncomfortable situation in a lot of ways because it's so uncommon. To those who have been following the program for the last couple of decades, really, uh, we're so used to seeing UMHB making these deep playoff runs, or at least being there atop the ASC, uh, entering the final couple weeks of the season. Here we are with two weeks left, and uh, UMHB is really out of the conversation. Uh, it's it, you know it comes down to you know in a lot of ways there's a lot of youth on this team. We've been talking about it all year, and I think there's a lot of people who all remain optimistic, but at the same time. Uh, there is some, some disappointment with the way that the season's gone. Um, UMHB has you know, lost to everyone who's regionally ranked. You know, they're 0-4 uh, in games against top 25 teams. That's not the typical UMHB that we're used to seeing. Um, with that said, you know, I think uh, there, there is a, a, a certain kind of context you have to see it with. We knew going in that there was going to be some, some younger players in key roles because of all the fifth-year seniors that they had last year that went on and graduated. And I think we're seeing the effects of that this year in a big way, as we are with some other teams across the state. And as we probably will next year, uh, the impact of the fifth-year senior continues to be a factor in, in seasons uh, for teams across the state at really, uh, you know, especially the Division three level. But we've seen that across the board too.
0: That is, that's that's going to be big topics when we get into some of our uh, offseason reviews and, and going through this season and how we think it might translate into next season uh, but they, there might be a fan base listening to us right now that's very happy to to see that Mary harden Baylor's not having a great time. And that's the Harden-Simmons fan base. And, boy, did they ever earn that one. That win, you know, Riley, we had talked about it last week as I was concerned about their defense because they had allowed Sol Ross to kind of go up and down the field, and then they made plays when they had to. That's the same thing I saw in the first half. That's exactly what I saw in the first half against Mary Harden Baylor. And, and UMHB was leading it to half. And, and I know the one play that changed all the momentum and changed the entire game was the muffed punt. That was beautifully done by Harden Simmons to set them up at the two yard line, but what really impressed me the most is how that defense pitched a shutout in the second half until that game was decided.
1: Right, right. umhB gets that late score. By that point, it's already you know twenty four seven Harden Simmons, and then umHB scores, makes it twenty four fourteen. But really, you're right. It was that defense that I think led the way, and uh, and and created those stops that gave the offense time to find traction and. You know, in in a big way, Harden-Simmons' defense has kind of had its ups and downs. I mean, we saw the Endicott game early on where they really didn't look like a a defense that would even stop some of the teams in the ASC, and then they come back and they they look a lot better, and I think a lot of that goes back to having a guy like Matt Mitchell there at linebacker. Again, we talk about these fifth-year seniors. He is an experienced, very smart player who made several big plays, and some of them weren't recorded. Some of them aren't going to show up in the box score, but... He was putting pressure on, on Isaac Fay, you know, UMHB's quarterback. Uh, he was making plays in the run game. Those are the kind of players that that really help a defense succeed. We certainly have some good defenses to talk about today, but harden Simmons' uh, defense looks to be pretty good, especially as they look to make a postseason run.
0: Well, they are the favorites, and uh, today again, I released an updated analysis of the non-conference of the conference races and playoff hopes. Uh, for each of the Texas conferences. And uh, we'll go ahead and start there with the American Southwest Conference. Harden Simmons is in control. They have, but they clinch it if Mary Harden Baylor beats ETBU this week. So Harden Simmons fans, maybe, maybe they're going to be some UMHB fans this weekend because they do. If the crew beats ETBU, right. Harden Simmons wins against Austin College. That is decided, and Harden-Simmons will have the automatic bid. They just need one. Really, they need to win, beat Austin and beat ETBU. They're going to win it undefeated in conference anyway. I also thought it was interesting. Them and Trinity, they're the only team in the ASC even listed under consideration in the regional rankings that came out. Uh, the other teams, they were all alphabetical, so we don't really know where they rank yet. Uh, in the Southern Athletic Association, just finish up with D3. Trinity's in there, of course. They're gonna get they're gonna be a, a top seed host at least a couple rounds, I imagine. Barry, we don't know. They're they listed, right? But Barry had some things break really bad their way this weekend. some uh, th- some things have broken really bad their way. So I don't know. Riley, just, just quickly tell me, is it even realistic to think that Barry's gonna get an at large bid right now?
1: You said sure they don't wanna count anything out, but I think Barry is pretty far down on the pecking order right now. If you were to list out projected pool C teams, I, I don't think Barry's gonna be at the top of that list. There's a lot of teams vying for those four at large bids and and I don't think Barry is, you know, near the top ten of that list. They might be, you know, right around ten. But, but that's probably not close enough at this point in the season. They're a good team, but I think they're going to get left out, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, well, there's also been upsets across D3 this year, and so that has certainly played a role. When we look at the other conferences, uh, UTPB, they meet Central Washington in a couple weeks. That game will decide uh, the champion of the Lone Star Conference. Both teams are listed right now, although I'm going to say Central Washington only has seven wins. They need that eighth win against UTPB to get into the playoffs. There is no, no automatic bid in division right. two into the playoffs. So Central Washington right now has a resume, but the question is where do they rank next week? Cause they have a buy that's the Simon Frazier effect. They have a buy what does that seventh win do to them? Not only having seven wins do to them next week, and then if they don't win against Permian, I, I really think Central Washington could find themselves on the outside with just one loss. And I think UTPB with one more win, if they win this week at Western New Mexico, I think win or lose against Central Wash that the Falcons are in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think uh, UTPB definitely has to feel a lot better about their chances than, than Central Washington does. I mean, for all intents and purposes, that's going to be a playoff game for Central Washington. Raises the stakes on that game by a whole lot uh, because, again, they, they have to win. I, I think that's going to be a spot where their backs are against the wall. And they know at least to go in with some kind of comfort. Yeah, if you win that game, I think they're in a much better spot than they would be if, if they lose. If they lose, I don't know how good their chances really are. And again, Corey, you did a great job breaking all that down uh, in the piece today.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And uh, it got a little easier this week, actually. And I was very <laughs> thankful for that as well. The Sooner athletic conference. That's one that that really keeping an eye on here. The last uh, couple weeks of the season, Texas Wesleyan, they sit at 6-0. and oh, They're in the driver's seat, but they're going to Langston, or they, they play Langston this week, and they close with Louisiana Christian, and that's a very good Louisiana Christian team, a dangerous team, nearly beat Ottawa. Ottawa's only losses to Texas Wesleyan. Right now, if the Rams win the two games, it, there's no question. They're conference champ and likely a playoff because there are no automatic bids in the NAIA either. Ottawa, Arizona, I think they have a chance for a, an at large for a playoff bid. And I also think Louisiana Christian does too. I could only see a scenario though, where at most two of those three get in Riley, which is always the problem we talk about with the SAC.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the tough part of playing at a conference where you really do have several contenders and it's pretty deep and there's some parody there. Uh you you, you you there's always going to be a good team that gets left out, at least one every year. Uh, yeah, last because, year that
0: team was Texas Wesleyan right. because and Arizona Christian and Ottawa got the spots and uh, Texas Wesleyan did not. So hopefully the Rams are on the right side of that this year. They do remember, and I, I'm sure they're focused – And going to be ready. But those next two weeks are going to be something to watch. And then the Southwestern Junior College Football Conference. This is the last week of the regular season. Next week, we start playoffs. And believe it or not, there is somewhat of a picture that I can give you of the playoffs there, which is unusual sometimes at this conference. Kilgore, if they win, they play Blinn. If they win, they're, they're the regular season champs, number one seed. If Trinity Valley, they play Northeastern Oklahoma, if Trinity Valley wins, then they're in the playoffs for sure. Trinity Valley is likely in the playoffs even with a loss. The question is where do they seed? And then that becomes down to, you know, the rest of it. As in Navarro and Tyler this week, they play. The winner is in the playoffs but that's all that they are guaranteed. The winner is in the playoffs. The loser not so much. Now, Trinity Valley gets the second seed if they win and Navarro wins. They have a win over Navarro in the season. Tyler gets the second seed with a win and a Trinity Valley loss, right? So if Trinity Valley wins, they're likely they a uh, Tyler also though could win and be the number 2 seed. It, again, this is this is where it gets New Mexico Military, NIMI. What about the team that won the national title two years ago? Well, they make the playoffs and are the third seed. If Trinity Valley wins, that's it. They don't even play this week. They need their Trinity Valley fans. If Trinity Valley wins, right. the Broncos have a win over Tyler and Navarro, so the loser will automatically drop to four and three, and NIMI will automatically be ahead of them. So that's what Nemi's hoping for. The Tyler and Navarro loser. They need Trendy Valley to lose a three-way tie, and then we're not even getting into what that might look at <laughs> at this moment. You know, I, I'm going to change this up kind of on the fly as we go. Normally, in these games, we've previewed a few, and then given our picks. You know, I like the fact that we had a, a little more of a conversation this week about some of the happenings around. And we're going to get into some of that as well, but we're going to just get straight into the picks with slight previews of each one of these games as well. But before we do that, I want to let you know, we are a podcast on the Republic of football network and an extension of Dave Campbell's Texas football. Please like, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Spotify megaphone, whatever platform you find us, please subscribe, like, and share, follow us. That's how you're going to help us grow. And we always Appreciate you listening. We have more than nine games this week, Riley. I just went through and said, fine, we're just picking any game that I'm like, yeah, I don't know. So we have a lot. I don't, I think it's about 11. Uh, And before we get into this, I want to go ahead and, and recap last week. Riley picked up a game. He went six and four. I went five and five. So Riley is four games back. He sits at 43 and 39 for the season, which puts me up at 47, 35. But there's a lot of games here and a lot of chances for Riley to to catch up. And, of course, with me being in the lead, I go first. And we're going to start this week. Preview Nichols at UIW. That is our game of the week, Riley. And as we talk about conferences, uh, UIW, with a win this week, they clinch and secure their third straight South Lane Conference title And I'll tell you why, because next week is a bye week, but they get an automatic win for Northwestern state canceling their season. And by the way, if you're not aware, go go search the ESPN article about what's happening at Northwestern state. It's absolutely horrible. That's all I can really say about it. It's absolutely horrible. What's happening there. I'm just very fortunate that those things did not happen in the state of Texas. Uh, That's that's just a, a bad situation all the way around. But the Southland, UIW, looking for their third straight. They win this. They automatically have that automatic. They get that automatic bid to the FCS playoffs and the third straight conference title. Nichols, their only chance at the playoffs is to win the conference title. And they have to beat UIW this week, and then they have to beat Lamar next week. Any of those things don't happen and Nichols is out of the playoffs in a, in a very likely manner. So they Nichols is in one of those, look, that loss last week to Southeast Missouri state, I think was the death nail into an at-large bid for the colonels. Riley, the question becomes who's playing quarterback for UIW this week. Richard Torres had the start last week at Lamar. They won 17 to seven, the offense, They didn't quite convert down in the red zone at times. They had their opportunities. Lamar had opportunities. They didn't convert either. It was a whole lot of not converting opportunities in that game. I I did. I had a text. I texted with Coach Killow, with Clint Killow today, and he told me that whether Calzada starts is completely up to how he gets through this week, and it's only Wednesday, right? This week means he's got to get through Friday. I'm curious if you think that it matters too much at this point though, because now Torres has had a game and a half and he's led them to a comeback win and a win. I mean, if you're at UIW, you got to feel pretty good regardless of your court, who your quarterback is going into Saturday.
1: Yeah, I think so. Corey, and that's kind of where I'm at. I think at this point, it's not a any kind of a situation where you're worried about turning to a brand new starter by any means i mean torres has experience under his belt um he's played. he's played decently well right there's certainly some things that could be improved uh but but he's played well enough to, to lead them to victory and i think too this is more than just a team that needs its quarterback uh this is a team that's built on a lot of depth at several different positions uh, they're the, you know they're they're not relying on one or two guys i think that's a strength that UIW has that could really serve them well, especially in a spot like this where they're unsure if Calzada plays or not on Saturday.
0: I think the big question coming into, the, into this game is whether Nichols' defense can or offense can score enough against UIW's defense and against good teams this year. They've scored a little bit late against Sacramento State and then, you know Southeast Missouri. They they gave up thirty five. I'm. I know Nichols' defense is pretty good. I know they're going to keep them in the game. I know what UIW's offense is. I feel like they're going to get their mid-20s point range. My question is, can Nichols' offense get up there? And I'm going to tell you right now, Riley, I say no. I've got UIW 27, Nichols 21 in the game of the week, third straight title, and start go ahead and uh, reserving hotels for the, the playoffs in San Antonio for a couple of weeks. What say you?
1: yeah I think that might be a might be a, a good uh, a good plan yeah because I, I do I have UIW in this one as well Now I'll say this Nichols uh, and you, you hinted to this Corey, but you kind of have to do a double take when you look at their record because they have a three and four overall record, a four and0 record in conference play uh, that is correct that is again due to the Northwestern State forfeiture and counts as a win in the Southland standings and all that. but what it says more to me, this is a team that, They've been able to compete within this conference. They've won some games that, I'll admit, I didn't expect they would win. Uh, I don't want to count them out too quickly. And with that said, the offense is my concern with Nichols, and that's why I only project uh, them to have about 13 points this game. My my prediction, UIW wins this one 27-13. I think the defense for UIW is just too good uh, to really allow Nichols to move the ball too much.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, we're both on UIW, and I think for good reason, and they're at home. That's a big advantage. They, they play well in San Antonio there, and it's a beautiful setting. If you're in the San Antonio area, get in there downtown San Antonio, go watch a game at Gale and Tom Benson Stadium. You won't be disappointed. All right, Riley, we head now to one of my favorite games of the year just because they play for the Wagon Wheel, and that's West Texas A&M, At Eastern New Mexico, West Texas A&M is looking to reclaim that wagon wheel, and this isn't going to be easy. It's a West Texas team that offense really, really struggled against Angelo State last week. And an Eastern New Mexico team that they didn't play like they had been. They, they They were not ready for what Kingsville brought to them. Kingsville just, they were ready. They had them. Eastern was not. You know, Riley, this game, this game, honestly, it's really tough to tell because it's such a rivalry game. It's in Portalis. It really could go either
1: way. Yeah. Rivalry games bring out the best in teams. And I think I I really believe that because I think there's a certain amount of emotion that comes into play. Uh, that can really affect an outcome more than you might think. And and I think both these teams, despite having down years by by a lot of accounts for a lot of different reasons, I think they're both going to be ready to play this game. Now, with that said, I think Eastern New Mexico is a little stronger offensively. And again, that may be a, a strong word because both offenses have had they're fair share of shows throughout this season. But what we saw from Eastern New Mexico last week, again, non-conference game, they played Lincoln, Missouri, uh, but 34 first quarter points, 548 rushing yards. They had eight rushing touchdowns. That rushing attack needs to uh, be able to kind of carry some of the momentum into this one. Uh, I think they could find some success, but they got to get the ball in the end zone. I mean, if they're going to win this game, they need to overcome the West Texas A&M defense. If they do that, I think that Eastern New Mexico defense will be up for the challenge. Um, I don't think they're going to have a, a super stellar day, but I think they'll play well enough defensively to keep West Texas A&M off the board and uh, and give Eastern New Mexico the win. I'm going to go with Eastern New Mexico winning this one 30-17. All righty.
0: Well. Yes, they did play Kingsville, too. I got mixed up on when I was watching Kingsville, Eastern New Mexico. I have watched a lot of football uh, here this year, so keeping it straight gets a, gets a little tough at times. Um, You know, as far as where I am with this game, and I actually did not do a score prediction in my game of the week this week for this one, uh, basically because I replaced it with Stephen F. Austin at uh, Tarleton because I just thought that game – for purposes of Dave Campbell's TexasFootball.com, had a little more uh, emphasis on it for the podcast. I love this game, and I love yeah. how this game is going to be. I think the triple option of Eastern New Mexico. Uh, by the way, th- this is Josh Lynn returning home. Josh Lynn was head coach at Eastern New Mexico, and now he's at West Texas A&M. So here here we have a returning home Scenario Kelly Lee was there, now he's returned back as well. Very interesting dynamics. Now, Josh Lynn knows this offense because he ran this offense when he was at Eastern. But does that mean that you can get your defense ready to face this offense? That's the question. Then the other question becomes can your freshman quarterback and can you move the ball? Can you move the ball? You had 50 yards in the first half last week, so that's the questions i i'm gonna go with riley here i think eastern new mexico wins this one i think we'll get around a, a 21 to 20, 21 20 21 17. like it's gonna be close uh but we're probably in a low 20s at best scoring in that one but that puts us both on eastern new mexico all right Riley, we we referenced this game a little bit earlier. We've got East Texas Baptist traveling to Mary Hart and Baylor, and all of a sudden, this game has a lot of interest and a lot of different dynamics. And from both teams, let's just let's just break down how the year has gone. East Texas Baptist has been kind of up and down. They got blown out by Louisiana Christian. You had Coach Ruzika in one of the post game interviews saying, "I promise you, this will not be fun." For a while, and they've had some they've had some internal problems there. So does UMHB. Uh, that was eleven penalties, I believe, last week. A lot of personal fouls, and Larry Harmon mentioned that he was tired of that in his press conference this week. He said he was going to start implementing some new standards around the program. Will those standards work? Because this is what I, I, I told you, Riley, before we came on here, when you start talking about that, it's easier to start tough and then le- get a little easier than it is to start a little easier and then get tough and disciplined later on. You You tend to lose people, especially college age that are like, man, I'm an adult. What are you doing here? Right. And that's I think that's the key. That, that's why the Army is so successful. If you want to know the truth, they start tough on you, right? And then they ease up after you know the standard. They can back off just slightly, and you, you know what the standard is. You know how to live it. Question becomes, what happens when they meet on the football field, Riley? It's going to be – it really is probably the most intriguing game of the weekend because we're not sure which teams are going to show up
1: for either side. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, just to start with ETBU, this is a team that has really played themselves into contention a little bit here, and it's it, they've kind of gone to the radar to be completely honest. I mean, we talk about Howard Payne and Harden Simmons and, and UMHB so much, but but ETBU has quietly kind of put themselves in a spot where hey, even if the, you know, even if they they end up losing this week or, or however this plays out for them, this has been a really, really good first season for Coach Rue. Uh, I really like what he's done there so far, and I think this has been a team where they've been really reliant on their defense, ETBU has. That's going to be a key, in my opinion. If they're going to come away at least even staying competitive but winning this game, it's going to be because of a really, really strong defensive effort. Now, the offense is going to have to step up a little bit more than they have been too. UMHP's defense is good. They have a lot of talent, a lot of speed on the defensive side of the ball. And Corey, just uh, for the sake of, of making everything clear, it wasn't even just 11 penalties. It was 14 against Four Harden Simmons. wow. And, yeah. uh, and so those things are going to hurt you, right? You can't do that and, and still expect to win games against really anybody. I mean, ETBU is a smart team. Uh, they're going to take advantage of those things. So UMHP, definitely an emphasis for them this week, um, You know, limiting those penalties. You know, I'll I'll let you give your pick, and I'll give mine. But but I think this will be a very interesting matchup in Belton.
0: Well, hey man, you wrapped it up really well. Here's what I'm going to tell you: I I gave all of that spiel earlier. I I just think UMHB is so angry after last week, and ETBU's offense has not shown me it can put up enough numbers to hang. And I know that. I think UMHB's offense is going to be able to put up some. I've got a 47-17 Mary Harden-Baylor score right there.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, for sure. I'm also taking UMHB. I think uh, the, the Crusaders, they've they've had, they've had shown us some good stuff um, over the course of the season. I mean, we, we've seen the development. We've seen the improvement. Maybe it wasn't as much as we would have liked to have seen against Harden-Simmons, but it's it's been there. And I think against ETBU, even against a good defense like ETBU, I think UMHB will be able to put up some points. I'm going to take the crew winning this one 34-16. to 16. ETB gets some field goals, but doesn't get in the end zone nearly as much as they need to.
0: All righty. Well, you've got it a little closer. I've got UMHB kind of running away with that one. We're going to move into other games that are not as highlighted, and we're just going to kind of pick them and talk a very little bit about them as we go along here. First up, Arkansas Pine Bluff travels to Prairie View. Now, why is this one on there? Well, first off, Arkansas Pine Bluff is bad, but Prairie View hasn't been a whole lot better lately. They went to Florida A&M last week. They had a hard time. They've been up and down there. Um, What do you think? Who do you think comes out of this one, Riley?
1: Yeah, this is going to be really interesting, Corey, because I think, you know, both of these teams have had their, their fair share of struggles, right? Um, Now, Prairie View, to me, I've seen a little bit more from them that I think gives me some confidence they can find a way to win a close game. I think the pieces are there uh, for them to put some some points on the board, but we haven't seen it. We we need to see it. Um, I think they're going to be eager to show that they're playing on their home turf. You know, it's it's homecoming. Um, I think Purview finds a way to get it done against the UAPB defense that really has given up a lot of points this season. I think if they're going to put up some, some points and, and put together a nice offensive performance, it's going to be in this one. And, and that's what I'm looking for uh, a bare game from the, the Prairie View offense uh, here against Pine Bluff.
0: Yeah. And I don't think it's going to have a problem. I mean, I, Pine Bluff is bad and Prairie View is not. And so I'm going with my guy, Bubba McDowell here. We're both taking Prairie View, and that leads us into Utah Tech at Abilene Christian. Boy, what an interesting game this is. Abilene Christian went to Southern Utah, and the first quarter was there. The second quarter was bad, and they got away from them. Then it got even further away from them in the second half. ACU's played better at home, Riley, and Utah Tech has played well at home, but they haven't played as well on the road. ACU is mad. Coach Patterson is likely mad. I'm taking the home team. I'm taking the Wildcats.
1: I'm taking the same. I think uh, I have Evelyn Christian here as my pick. I think they find a way to get it done. Um, again, we've seen we've seen spurts of this from them. We've seen some pretty solid performances, to be completely honest. In my opinion, I've liked what I've seen, and uh, I think they're going to be eager to get back in that wing column. They're going to do some damage this week and, and pull out the win.
0: And we get to this one. This one's really juicy. Stephen F. Austin at Tarleton. Tarleton went on the road, earned one of those – signature wins that Todd Whitten kind of needed to have. Your program needs to have one of those. You're in the fourth year of transition, the final year, and they picked that up. Number 18, Central Arkansas, they went there, rainy day. They beat them. They punched them in the mouth. They got to stop when they needed to at the end. It was a great win. When you do that, sometimes you let off the gas a little bit heading into next week, and here comes an SFA team that had had a week off, and they are very angry with how they've played the last couple of weeks. They may also be a little bit healthier than they had been uh, coming into this game. You know, Riley, I, I'm going to fighting Colby Carthels here 27, 25. I'm taking the lumberjacks. I, I think it's going to be a great game
1: to watch on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to seeing how both defenses look. I think these are two of the better defenses that I've seen uh, in, in this league. I've, I've liked what I've seen from some of the playmakers on, on both defenses, really. And I think that'll be a big storyline throughout the course of the contest. Um, I'm going to take Tarleton. I think they need to rely on their run game, and I think they need to gain traction and find that early on. Uh, it can't be a, a you know, they, they can't go down early. We'll just put it like that. I, don't, I think if that happens, they have to go through the air. I don't think uh, good things will happen there. But if they can establish the run game, I think Tarleton finds a way to win this one, score prediction uh, being 27-24.
0: Well, we're right there on the, on the score. And let me tell you, I, I think uh, you've got Tarleton. You're going with the home team this week. I'm going with the road team. little bit change, a little bit of difference in what we've been. We'll see how it pays off uh, for both of us this week. And I just realized I changed up the whole format and picked first, so I might as well just keep doing that. Doesn't necessarily matter anyway, to be honest with you. And it actually might make more sense for the listener. And so who knows? Hey, maybe I just stumbled upon something right in the middle of the podcast, <laughs> Riley. <laughs> All right. Next up, we head down division three, southwestern at Millsaps. Not a whole lot to say about this one. Um, not sure. What we're really going to get from either team, they're both they're both pretty bad this year. Uh, I think southwestern at times has been a little less bad, but that question is whether they can keep a hold of the ball. Millsaps lost sixty three nothing to Trinity. They, geez, they haven't been close. They did beat Birmingham Southern though. On the road, and that's that's one of those. How in the world did they do it? Southwestern beat Birmingham Southern as well at home. Yeah. This one's in Georgetown. You know, I'm taking or no, it's not, it's not in it, is in Georgetown isn't it? in it. Are they at Georgetown. home? Yeah. They're at home. Okay, because I had it backwards yeah. on my list up here. So Millsaps is out south at Southwestern. That just go ahead and clarifies it for me. I'm going back with my home teams again. Riley, give me southwestern.
1: Yeah, this is a complete toss up. I mean they they both have one win. That win is you know both of their wins, win is over Birmingham Southern, as you said. I mean it's it's uh it's kind of interesting to see where both these teams are at this season. Honestly, I expected a little more out of southwestern, but we also know that some injuries played into the way their season has turned out. Uh, that said, I, I think Southwestern finds a way to get it done. I mean, I, I think they're going to uh, you know, put up some points. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game, uh, but I think we do see Southwestern pull out a win over Millsaps here and get their second win of the season. A very, uh, you know, a, a second win that they very much want. Uh, they didn't win a game in the month of October, and so they're going to be eager to get back to that win column.
0: Yeah, and I feel like they've played better recently right. as well. A little bit closer than Millsaps has in some of these games. And so that goes in as well. Let's get to a little bit better of a game here. This next one is very intriguing as well. Howard Payne travels to Alpine to meet Sol Ross. It's a Sol Ross team that they're just hurting. And you can see that, you know, they're just not able to move the ball and score. And that's a bad recipe when you're facing a good defense like Howard Payne has. Howard Payne isn't necessarily firing on all cylinders, but I think they're firing on enough. I'm taking the Yellow Jackets this week.
1: Yeah, Howard Payne has honestly looked a little shaky. Uh, you know, more sh- you know, shakier than I guess what we would have expected them to be, especially at this point in the season, late. It seems like they're they're struggling uh, in a few different aspects. That said, again, I think this offense has just the ability to put big plays on the board. Um, You know, they they have a lot of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Defense will need to step up. but I think Howard Payne gets this win uh, out in Alpine, a a pretty significant win for them, second straight win, uh, which obviously they they need at this point in the season just to finish on a good note.
0: You know, we've been picking a lot of the same teams, and that's really good for the teams we're not picking uh, because we have not (laughs) had great numbers this year say the least. So the key, if we're not picking your team, if we're both against you, be happy about that. How about that? All right. Texas Wesleyan. You you don't want us on your team. Texas Wesleyan at Langston big time, sooner athletic conference, a little bit more competition than the Rams have seen recently. Uh, I just feel that the Rams have a little too much power, a little too much talent. And I think they take down the tigers this week. I'm sticking with Tex West and setting up a showdown with Louisiana Christian.
1: Yeah, this Texas Wesleyan defense is, is legit. I, I like what I've seen out of their defense. Um, they've stepped up some really, really solid performances uh, from that side of the ball. I think they also get the win and really, again, stay on that inside track, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, uh, to the sack title.
0: Alrighty. We got one game left. We're heading down to the junior college. This is the big one of the week right here. This is, this game has a lot riding on it for a lot of different teams in the SWJC FC for the playoffs. It really does. Navarro at Tyler. I don't know if we can hype it up any better. I don't know what to make of these teams. You never know what you're going to get out of these teams. Navarro had a big win last week over Cisco. Tyler put up a big egg on the road against Kilgore, but that's also a, a national title type Kilgore team. You know, it's the SWJCFC. It's week 10. I'm going to go Apaches. They're at home. This is where, if I'm questioning it, I go with the home team.
1: <laughs> hey, that's not bad. Not bad strategy. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be really interesting. I mean, you you mentioned it earlier on. I mean, there's so much riding on this result, uh, really all these results from around the, the SW, uh, you know, JC. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I think Navarro showed me a lot with the win over Cisco. I think uh, they, they looked really good. And that's a Cisco team that is a lot better than maybe some people think they are. Um I think Navarro finds a way to get this one done. Again, going back to my road teams, uh, I think Navarro gets the win here. That's my pick.
0: Riley, sticking with the road teams. But then again, I switched it up on him this week and went with uh, a road team, and he took a home team. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out for us. Riley, can you believe that next week we're talking about the final week of the regular season for D2 and D3?
1: It is crazy. I mean, this season's really flown by. There's been so many awesome results, so many great games that we've seen play out. And, and certainly, this is the best time of the year. I mean, we're getting to playoff time for D2 and D3 and love watching uh, the way some of these matchups play out and teams in, in that spot where, you know, it's win or go home. I mean, this is, this is, what, what, you, uh, this is what you live for as a, as a player, as a coach, and certainly for us as, as fans and media members, uh, love watching these matchups play out.
0: And we're going to be here to talk about it next week, week 11. It's going to be semifinals of the Southwestern Junior College Football Conference. It's going to be the final week of the regular season for many, many teams. Final week of the season for a lot of teams as well. I believe NAIA finishes up uh, next week in week 11 too. So we got quite a few teams that will be playing their last game next week. So please join us. We appreciate you listening. Riley, thank you so much, man. We appreciate you being on this podcast. This is so much fun. And to you, the listener, again, we appreciate you. And we hope you join us again next week. For Riley's A.S. I'm Corey Hogan. Until we meet again, stay safe.